Awesome. Fantastic. So we've been going through a little uh, mini-series on God's Word, and I really hope that as we've been looking at this, that you've been stirred to get into God's Word more for yourself, that you've been uh, uh, spending time reading the Word, spending time in prayer. Uh, just, I, I, I'm really hoping that a hunger for God's Word would be uh, rising in your hearts. I hope that this isn't just another message where you walk out of here and say, that was a great message and there's no change in your life. If you aren't reading the Bible more, if you're not spending more time with the Lord, can I ask you to get before God today and say, Lord, I want to be changed. It is absolutely pointless for me to be sharing these messages if you aren't pressing in on the Lord and there isn't change happening. Amen? <laughs> so uh, let's, let's continue. Let's uh, we're going to do part two this morning, which is the Word of God gives cleansing. And last week we spoke about uh, Jesus washing us with the Word. And uh, today I'm going to have a look at the word sanctification. Jesus cleanses us and he sanctifies us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, uh, we read this last week. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And I'll just read that in another version in the ESV. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So there's a sanctification and there's a cleansing that Jesus does. And they're different. They're not the same thing. Uh, last week, if you missed it, you can have a listen to that uh, message all about how Jesus cleanses us with the word. But we're going to look at the second part today, and that is Jesus sanctifies us. Okay? What does the word sanctify mean? Sanctify. If you have a look at the last three letters of the word, I-F-Y. I'll give you a little English lesson. When you add I-F-Y to the end of a word, it means to make uh, something into the first part of the word. Okay? So, for instance, purify means to make something pure. Okay? That's what it means. Simplify means to make something simple. So when you add I-F-Y, it means to make something into the first part of the word. Okay? Sanctify means to make something sanct. What does the word sanct mean? I hear you ask. Well, it's an old word, and it comes from a Latin word, sanctus, okay? which means holy. Maybe you've heard of the word sanctuary, holy place. Okay? So sanct, sanct is actually an old word for saint. You and I, we are all saints. I know that... Some churches honor certain people and declare them to be saints. The Word of God says every single believer is a saint. So you could very correctly put on your business card, Saint Joseph, or Saint Lucas, Saint Manica, Saint Sam. You could put that if you wanted to, okay? Might not be the most uh, humble thing you've done, but you would be correct in calling yourself Saint whoever, okay? <laughs> So sanctify means to make something holy. Sanctification is God making us holy. 
Okay, that's what sanctification means. It's different from cleansing. It's more, when you look in the Old Testament and you look at uh, holiness, they had to be ceremonially pure or ceremonially clean to worship God. It was a ceremonial thing. It wasn't necessarily uh, that you had a bit of dirt on your clothes or you needed to wash your hands or something. It was a ceremonial thing. And so sanctification has to do with God making us holy. And I wonder if you remember from last week, those of you that were here, I asked you to remember something from 2 Peter 1 verse 4. How many of you remembered it? It says 2 Peter 1 verse 4, Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. There is a sharing and there is a separating. Two different things, separation and sharing. And I want to suggest to you this morning that sanctification has two different elements to it. There is a separating for holy purposes and there is a sharing in the divine nature, a becoming holy. Okay, One of them is kind of like more of an instant event. One of them, the other one, is more of a process that takes place over time. Separation from sin and sharing in God's nation. Uh, sorry, God's na- nature. So separation, first of all, let's have a look at these two different things. The, the example that helps me understand sanctification in terms of separation is cutting a carrot. Okay? Now, just imagine you've got a cutting board in front of you and you have a carrot with the leaves on it. You're not interested in the leaves. You're going to throw the leaves away. So what you do, you take a knife and you cut the carrot and you separate it. You separate the root, which you're going to use, from the leaves, which you're going to throw away. So that, that act of cutting and separating is sanctification in terms of uh, God making us holy, separating us for a holy purpose, enabling us to come into his presence and to worship him. That's sanctification as a, as a quick thing, as something as more instant. Now, some Christians, they'll get confused about this. They'll talk about sanctification that is something that's already happened because you're born again. Others will say, well, it's still happening. The truth is it's both. It's something that's already happened, and it's something that's continuing to happen in our lives. As I said earlier, if you read the book of Leviticus, you'll see everything is about being, you had to be pure, you had to be holy in order to worship God, ceremonially clean. So if you touched a, a, a dead body, for instance, you had to go through a week of, of not worshiping God, and you had to make a sacrifice at the end for purification. It wasn't just like, oh, I, I touched a dead body, I'll just wash my hands, and I can go and worship God. They weren't allowed to do that. They had to be holy in the presence of God to worship Him. They had to be ceremonially clean. And I believe that is God showing sanctification to his people in the Old Testament, separated for a holy purpose. You and I, when we are born again, we are sanctified to be separate from the world for a holy purpose. I wonder if you've, if you've realized that. Or you think, well, salvation is all about me getting to heaven at the end of my life. It's my, it's my eternal insurance policy. No, salvation is also about separating you from the world to serve God in a holy way. The second part of sanctification is 
is being transformed into the, the nature of God, being holy like God is, and it's a transformatory process that takes place in our lives. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 and verse 14 talks about it pretty clearly. Verse 10, Hebrews chapter 2, says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. See, God wants us to share in his holiness. God wants us to be holy as he is holy. And so God, there's, God works with us. He disciplines us. He trains us so that we can share in his holiness. And verse 14 shows us God's goal in all of this. The reason he does this. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Wow. Work at living a holy life. See, it's a process. It's not an instant thing. This is the, this is the part of sanctification. That's a process. Those, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. That's what the scripture says. This is God's goal, and it's the reason sanctification is important for God. I think I spoke about it in, in the previous message. All of that ritual, all of the sacrifices, all of that so, was so that Israel could be where God was. It was so that God could dwell in the midst of the camp. If they didn't do all that stuff, God wouldn't have been able to live in the midst of them. He would have just destroyed them. And so sanctification is incredibly important. It's an important part of our salvation. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sanctification. Again, that's the whole point. What's really interesting to me is that if you read the book of Leviticus and Numbers, and you'll see Leviticus 1 verse 1 says that God spoke to Moses from the tent of meeting. Numbers 1 1 says that God spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting. From the tent, Moses was outside. In the tent, Moses was inside. All that ceremony and sacrifice and purification and, and the people being holy brings you into the presence of God. Wonderful. It really is. Have a read <laughs> when you have some time. Read Leviticus and Numbers. And so Jesus cleanses us and he sanctifies us with the word of God. Now, the way Jesus sanctifies us is very different from the way religion tries to sanctify us. The way Jesus sanctifies us is from the inside out. The way religion tries to sanctify people is from the outside in. Religion is all about don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that, and you will be right with God. The way Jesus works, he changes our hearts, he changes our thinking, he changes who we are on the inside, and that outworks itself in a different life on the outside. It's a huge point of difference. And Jesus addresses this. He says this in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23 and verse 23 to 25. He just hits this straight between the eyes. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things, 
What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Religion is all about cleaning the outside, and it will never clean the inside. Jesus is all about cleaning the inside, and that results in a clean outside as well. First clean the inside, and the outside will become clean. Holiness can never be achieved by following a set of rules. Never. And we fall into this trap over and over again. I'm guaranteed every single person here has done this. You're struggling with sin? Well, how do you deal with it? You make a rule. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to put this in place in my life, and I'm going to make sure that this never happens again. And guess what? It happens again. Because you cannot change who you are on the inside by an external rule. The way you change is you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, change me. Put your holiness on the inside of me. Change the way I think. Change my heart. And God begins to pour himself into us and we start changing from the inside out. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 talks about this. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He's not saying work hard to get saved. This is to someone who's already saved. He's saying now that you're saved, work out what God is working into you. As God pours your lo His love into you, work it out. Love other people. If you, if you don't work out what God is working into you, it won't change you. It's as you need patience. Okay, a rule is not going to help you be patient. Spending time with God and receiving His patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? I'm amazed. <laughs> the, 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 the solution for impatience is more of God. It's not a rule. God, give me patience and do it now. Okay, that's not going to help. But more of God in our lives, we, and when we're given the opportunity to show patience and we do it, we begin to be transformed. But it's a change that happens from the inside out. It's the process of sanctification. How are we changed over time? Well, have a look at Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Other versions say by renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So what's the scripture saying? In view of everything that God has done for us, let us offer our bodies, our whole bodies, as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. So we, we, we're, not, we're not sacrificing our life physically. We are bringing everything we are to God and saying, God, 
all of who I am, I'm giving to you. I'm making my life available to you. I'm not going to conform to the ways of this world. It's, it's incredibly sad to see Christians just living like the world. This verse is to both. This, this, this verse is, is, sorry, it's not to unbelievers and believers. This verse is to Christians saying, don't conform to the way of the world. Don't live like the world. And yet some Christians, that's what they want to do. They, want to, they don't want to be different. They don't want to stick out. They don't want to rock the boat. But this verse is saying, don't conform to the way of the world. Don't think like them. Don't live like them. Don't worship like they do. <laughs> Be different. Let God transform you. And how does he do this? By the renewal of our minds. He changes our thinking. It's not an external thing. It's not a rule in place where we have to do a certain thing. It's let God change our mind. And how does he do that? As the word of God comes into us, we begin to change. We begin to see things differently. We begin to see sin for what it really is. I I can remember... You know, before I got saved, I, I used to see things very differently. Certain things that I see now as sin weren't sin to me in the past. I just, they were just normal. Something that, you know, people did. Now there are certain things that I see that, that is a sin. Why? Because God sees it that way. My mind has been changed. Something else that changes is your values change. God, God's values begin to be your values. Things that you thought were so important at one stage are now, they are no longer important. And things that you didn't realize were important to God, suddenly now they are important to me because God has done a work changing me from the inside out. Values begin to change. You know, before it may not have been that important to, to be in a congregation, to be in a church. For me now, it's absolutely important. When I find a believer who's not in a church, I want to challenge them and say, do you read the Bible? Because the Bible only ever talks about Christians in the New Testament in the context of a local church. Oh, but I can't find a good church. Get in any church then. (laughs) Because you're not being biblical if you're not in a church. If you're looking for the perfect church, it's not out there. Just read the book of Acts. Read the New Testament. Nearly every single church in the New Testament had problems. But there's never a verse that says, because a church has a problem, don't join it. Amen? Just stepping on a few toes there. But this is what happens. When God begins to change us, his values, what's important to God becomes important to us. If, if this transformation doesn't take place, you will still go to heaven. But you won't live in the fullness of what God has for you. Because this whole process starts with wanting to live a life for God. It, it's, it starts with that place. If your desire is to just get to heaven, but you want to live like the world, none of this transformation will take place. Because you won't come to God and say, I'm offering my whole body as a living sacrifice. It'll be, I'm offering 10% of my life as a sacrifice, Lord That is my act of worship to you. The rest of the 90% is me. It's mine. I'll come to church on a Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, I do my thing. I live how I want. I do what I want with my money. 
when you want transformation to take place like this in your life, it's 100%. It's God, anything in my life. You can put your finger on any area of my life and change it. I might give a, a small portion of my money to God, but in actual fact, all of my money is available to God. And if he says to me, give it all, what am I going to do? If I want to be transformed, it's all or nothing. You might think, well, why does God say, offer your bodies? Surely it's my mind and my heart that's more important than this physical body. Well, if, if I want water, I'm going to ask whoever, Joe, to pass me the cup of water. When I get the cup, I get what's inside of it. When God gets your whole body, he gets everything that's inside. He gets your values. He gets your thinking. He gets your desires, your dreams. What's important to you? He gets all of that. He gets all your resources. He gets all your talents. All your material possessions, he gets the lot. And then he says, okay, I can work with that now. Now I'm going to begin to pour in my values and who I am into your life so that you can work that out. That's the transformation that takes place in a Christian. That's the process of sanctification. That's the process of becoming holy like God is holy. Amen, 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 amen. You know what I remember thinking when I was a, a new believer? Man, it's like a costly thing. You know, phew, give everything to God. See, Lord, he doesn't need anything from me. He's got everything. Why, why take it all? It's going to cost me a lot. But you know what I've realized? When you give everything to God, you think, wow, that was worth it. I want to give, it, give even more if I could. <laughs> You can never outgive God. Amen. And when this process starts taking place, God changes the way we think. And then it says, then you will be able to discern God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you are struggling to know the will of God for you, I want to suggest to you to have a look at Romans and to ask yourself a very serious question. Have I actually given everything over to God or am I holding back? Because this verse says, you will know the will of God once your mind is transformed after you have given him your whole body as an act of worship. That's the steps. I'm a very logical person. I look at that and go, okay, step one, step two, step three. If step three isn't happening, step two or one didn't take place. <laughs> Read the instruction. That's what the Bible means. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Read them. <laughs> so we begin to change. We begin to be transformed. We begin to understand the will of God. And what's interesting is that God's will is revealed to us as good, pleasing, and perfect. In the beginning, when, when you begin to understand the will of God, you realize it's good. You know it's good for you, like eating your wheat picks or whatever. It might, be, might not be uh, eat like eating cake or or whatever, a dessert or something like that, but you know it's good for you. And then it progresses to something that's pleasing, where you're actually enjoying doing the will of God. And then it moves on to being perfect, where you realize there's absolutely nothing else you'd rather be doing or want to do because God's will is the only thing you want to do in your life. 
And these changes start taking place as God pours himself into us and we are changed from the inside out. It's not a rule. I don't come to church because of a rule. I'd never come here because I have to. I come here because I want to be here. Something inside of me has changed. When I was an unbeliever, it was the last place on earth I wanted to be in. But something has changed. And it wasn't a rule that changed me. It's God put a desire in me. If I have to sit at home and think to myself, I even struggle to take leave because if I'm sitting at home thinking all of you are here worshiping God, I'm miserable because I want to be here. It's not a rule. It's not I have to be here. I don't read the Bible because I have to. I read the Bible because I want to. Some days I'm reading, 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 and I'm just like, what's happened to the time? Where's the time gone? You know, I can't, I have to stop because I'm running out of time. Why? Because I want to read the word. I want to be with Jesus. I want to know him more. Genuinely, I do. You know, that's what takes place when God begins to transform you. Christianity has nothing to do with rules. If you're setting rules, you, you need a revelation of Romans 12. <laughs> you need a revelation of relationship with Jesus. He is the most amazing person you will ever know in your life. Ever. Think of your best friend and multiply that by infinity. That's Jesus. And you can know him. Amen? You can know him. Why do I give my money? Why do I tithe? Because all the Bible says, no, I want to give to God. Wow, what a privilege. If I could give it all, I would, but I've got to feed my family. <laughs> we have to eat food, amen? And God knows that. But it, it doesn't come from a rule. It comes from a heart that's been changed by God. And that's what the Word of God does in our lives. If you will allow Him in, He will begin to change you from the inside out. And yes, it's something that is instant. You are holy right now. You, and, and that's wonderful because maybe you're struggling this morning, but you can come into the presence of God and you can pray and you can worship and you can repent and you can press in on the Lord. If it wasn't for that holiness, you'd never be able to do that. We'd have no hope. But now there's also a process that takes place. The more we spend with God, the more we become like Him. We start to think like God thinks. The more we read the Word and we, we, we see, oh, this is what God is like. This is how He views this certain circumstance. This is how generous God is. This is how gracious He is. This is the kindness of God. And so we begin to be kind to other people. We begin to show grace to other people because we're transformed. Our minds are renewed. We're washed by the word over and over again. I can't stress this enough. Press in on the Lord. Read his word and let him transform you from the inside out. You will be a different person. A year from now, we won't recognize you. <laughs> I'm serious. Because when God does a work in our lives, it is an incredible thing to see. It's not just about growing. It's not just about maturing. It's not just about getting head knowledge. Oh, I know all these facts in the Bible. I know about justification, sanctification, whatever other Asian there is in the Bible. It's, I know God. I know what he's like. I know what he would do in this circumstance. When I'm talking to a beggar out in the street, I know what God would do. I'm not thinking, what verse was it? How do I relate to this beggar again? What am I supposed to do? 
Um, it's just the heart of God. We know God. Amen. Let's press in on the Lord and get to know Him. He is the most wonderful person you'll ever meet, ever get to know in your life. And the wonderful privilege is that we have access. Jesus has made it possible that you can know God. Uh, for me, it's mind-blowing. It really is. To think of the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, that I can get to know him. Gee, that is incredible. <laughs> let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. Giving us faith, giving us new birth, nourishing us, giving us spiritual nourishment and growth, cleansing, sanctification, transforming us, transforming our values, our thinking, our mindsets, our actions even into being more like you. We thank you for all that you do in our lives. And Lord, it's our desire, our deep, deep desire to know you more. We want to be a people who know our God, not just know a bunch of doctrine, know some scriptures, know some facts about God, but actually know you. How are you feeling right now, today? What do you think about this topic this situation. What do you think about the people that are sitting in this room? Knowing God. We want to know you, Lord. Your word says if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. That is an open invitation. You're not going to reject us. You're not going to push us away. But if we draw near to you, if we press in on you, you will draw near to us. The God of the universe. Lord, it's amazing. I, I pray that there'd be a hunger within us, a stirring to press in on you. I pray that there would be a, a washing away of guilt and sin in anyone that needs it this morning. Maybe there's people sitting here feeling terrible, feeling dirty, feeling guilty, feeling like you can't be with God. Lord, I pray that there'd be a washing away of sin this morning. There'd be a cleansing that takes place. There'd be a revelation that you've made us holy. We can come into your presence only because of Jesus, not because of our own righteousness, because of the righteousness of Jesus. And I pray there'd be that confidence that we can press in on you. We can walk in the light with you and be transformed. Help us, Lord, to discipline our lives. Help us to make time available to be with you. Help us not to allow the busyness of life to crowd you out of our schedule. Help us to make time and to discipline ourselves to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful.